Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. They specialize in making their facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. Not only that, there are no movement fees and there are no visitation restrictions. They are located near I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more information, you can call 469-400-7650. That is Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Justin Thomas and Devin Hassan. On today's podcast, we are going to uh, recap the third round of the high school football playoffs, including a uh, an up and down weekend for Frisco ISD and uh, Salina, nearly pulling the uh, <laughs> nearly calling its shot, and living to tell about it. Uh, but first, uh, let's talk some uh, some six A action, gentlemen. And I guess uh, Justin, let's go right to right to a fun game that you had a, uh, a sh- an expected shootout between yeah. uh, Hebron and Haltom, one with uh, with several different layers to it that we can discuss. Um, as far as just the the game itself, um, just talk, kind of just talk a bit about what were some takeaways from this game and the in the Hawks. I guess a season ending forty one to thirty loss to yeah. uh, to Haltom. Forty one thirty to Haltom out there at Apogee Stadium in uh, Denton. Um, yeah, good football game, entertaining game. Um, the Hawks season comes to an end in the third round. That was their third time in the third round. Um, and Hebron got out to a great start. They uh, led for most of the first half. They were scored the first two touchdowns of the game. Um, there was plenty of offense, but I really think the the Haltom defense really picked things up in the second half. Okay. And I think that was kind of the the turning point. Um, you know, Hebron kind of had its way on the ground in the first half, but Halton Halton uh, slowed them down in the second half and then just picked up their running game uh, themselves, especially quarterback Michael Black. So mm. that's kind of what it came down to. Um, you know, like I said, Heaven got out to a great start. Halton fumbled their exchange on a like a little read play on the first play, and Heaven fell on it, scored a touchdown, forced a punt, come right back down, score another touchdown. Both wow. of them Carson Harris touchdown runs. So I'm thinking, oh, here here's the Richardson Pierce game again. You know, two two touchdowns right off the bat. But um, you know, Halton kind of settled in from there. They were able to get to uh, 16-13, and then a couple turnovers kind of hurt Heaven. So. Uh, they throw an interception. Halton comes back, scores a touchdown, so they have their first lead. So Hebron's kind of looking to answer right before the half, and they kind of throw this route down the sideline for Trajan Bridges, and he totally got held up, but there was no <laughs> pass. I don't know if he would have been able to catch the ball, but it certainly, I don't think if they wouldn't have held him up, I don't think it would have been an interception. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being an interception. So Halton goes to the lead with the, uh, the half with the lead, up by four. Hebron comes right out first half, uh, second half, get a couple nice runs from Isaiah Broadway and then they get Trajan Bridges on a slant and he just takes it to the house 52 yards scores the touchdown <laughs> Hebron's back in front and I'm sure as a lot of people saw yeah this is this, yeah. Is, this is what I wanted to talk <laughs> most about with this game <laughs> the Oklahoma commit goes with the horns down and apparently 
That's taunting. <laughs> They're not playing the long <laughs> although somebody did mention that. The Buffaloes. Uh, the Buffaloes do have the Texas. That was not the intent, I'm guessing. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Somebody did mention that Haltom does use the Texas flight song, but I'm sure he just heard that oh, yeah. you know Oklahoma had just beaten that game. He's beaten Texas. Like I'm, I think that game ended probably like right around halftime yeah. of, the, of the Hebron game. I'm sure he heard at halftime mm-hmm. that Oklahoma had won. Scores a touchdown, gives the horns down. There's nobody around him. He's not like going <laughs> to run up into some Halton player's he's face. Not, and yeah, he's not taunting anyone. Uh. And they flag him for 15 yards. So that comes on the kickoff. So Halton gets the kickoff. They end up starting their possession at the Hebron 47. Mm-hmm. Takes them four plays. They score. So they take the lead back right after that. You know, definitely a big momentum and field position changer. That mm-hmm. penalty. Um, then Hebron comes back. They have a nice drive. They have a like a I think it was a holding penalty that put them in a first and long situation. They end up having a 13 play drive, but they have to punt. And Halton gets the ball at the 10, and then Michael Black runs 90 yards for a touchdown to put them up double figures. And you know that was that was essentially it. Yeah. And, and Michael Black is I mean you know 4,000 yeah yards this season, 48 <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. He had 180 rushing yards and I think 200 passing yards. So yeah. yeah that, he's pretty pretty he's awesome. A difference maker right yeah. there. What were your impressions on Haltom? I mean, a uh, Haltom team that I'm not sure you envisioned that you'd be covering a Haltom game at the start of the season. Yeah, I know. And, um, I mean, yeah, they've just, this this dream run of Haltom just keeps on rolling. And uh, they've, I mean, offensively, that is statistically as good an offense as there has been yeah, in the area. They did, they, like, did they look the part? Or? Yeah, especially Michael Black. He yeah. definitely looks the part. And, you know, he's, it all centers around him. And, you know, the defense, as I said, they fu- that turnover right at the start put their defense in a bad spot. But their defense, as the game progressed, seemed to get better and better. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty impressed with Halton, but I don't know that I think they're going to win again. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm still floored by this Trajan British thing. Yeah. And that went viral, too. The video of yeah. that went viral. And, uh, I mean, you know, Devin, you're a, you're a Texas alum. I'm an OU alum, so, you know, we can, uh, we can put down our swords and whatnot. But, uh, nevertheless, no, it's, that... Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. It's it, is, it, it is, without question, the most idiotic story, like, in college sports <laughs> this year. The, uh, the, the horns down fiasco leading up to Saturday's... Uh, rematch between OU and Texas and just to see that bleed over into the yeah. high school ranks in a like if there was any sort of first it's off like I don't believe there's any sort of malicious intent behind that gesture to begin no. with it's it's again it's two rival schools and again like I, I don't know I just the, the fact that it, it that became as much of a story as it did um, was just astonishing well, well and, and again as ridiculous as a Texas grad, yeah. I think it's ridiculous that it's even an issue. Yeah, I know. But if they came out early in the week for the Big Twelve Championship yeah. and said, "Okay, even though it is, I'm not going to get into it, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're going to penalize you if you do it." Yeah. At least they knew ahead of time, yeah. and you know, the co- Oklahoma coaches going and say, "Look, yeah. as ridiculous as it is, just don't do it because I don't want we don't want to lose 15 yards." But to have that trickle down to a high school game, yeah. in which neither yeah. these like are I said, it's related. not like they're playing the long court. It's not like he scored. Yeah. He went right up in some dude's face. It's just like, yeah, yeah found like, a Texas commit the, to go. Yeah. The guy's in the end zone. He's an Oklahoma commit. They just knocked off Texas. Probably, well, obviously now it is for the 
to get in the playoffs. Well, yeah, it was a huge win for them. He put a horns down, and there was nobody around him, and that was ridiculous. Yeah, because <laughs> if you're going to call it for taunting, like where do you draw the line between what constitutes a touchdown celebration yeah. and what constitutes taunting? Because everything is a show of something and yeah. whatnot. It's I don't know. I was I was floored when I saw that <laughs> that uh, that tweet began to circulate. That's uh, be better, <laughs> officials. Be better than that. Um, all right, Devin. Let's uh, let's let's turn uh, turn our attention to your game. Uh, Mesquite Horn, a, uh, it looked like for a second that they might have uh, some more magic in the works with uh, the job that they played uh, Spring Westfield in the first half. Um, just kind of, what was your kind of read on that game and how the Jaguars were able to hang tough early but eventually kind of got away from them late? You know, Horn did everything. That they pulled out all the stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also had the breaks go their way for three quarters. I mean, Westfield turned the ball over three times. Uh, they had a big muffed punt early when Westfield jumped out on top. Um, they were up 14-3, to three, um, and then they muffed a punt. They put it on the ground again, and, and Horn was able to, ca- able to capitalize. Uh, you know, Jermaine Gibbons hits Cameron Jackson on a 14-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Richard Garcia, their excellent field goal kicker, mm-hmm. uh, kicks three field goals. But it's field goals. Yeah. And you even got a sense then that even though they were up 16-14, to 14, you know, they had a couple of onside kicks they recovered. I mean, they, they, they played to win, and they, they knew they had to catch a couple breaks. But you got a feeling when they had to settle for field goals that might come back and bite them later on. Uh, they're able to, you know, grab that 16-14 lead just before halftime. Stays that way till the fourth quarter, but then Spring Westfield um, is, is able to kind of get their ground game going. Uh, they take the lead early in the fourth quarter, and then Horn did what it could not afford to do. They turned the ball over. Mm-hmm. Um, Twice in that fourth quarter, it leads to, uh, you know, they, Westfield scored two touchdowns in about a two-minute span early in the fourth quarter to kind of take, take control of 29-16. Horn kind of had to press. They couldn't get their ground game going all night long. Jermaine Gibbons, who's been so great on the ground, Asias Taylor, uh, Nikowski Emery, uh, that group that had, that had kind of uh, spearheaded this five-game winning streak uh, heading into the playoffs, just couldn't, couldn't get it going. And granted, Westfield has, has a very good defense, a very good team, yeah. um, and they just kind of warmed down. Um, you know, Horn did get the breaks that they needed, uh, and, and maybe if, if one or two of those field goals turns into touchdowns, it's a little bit different story. Uh, but just too much Westfield at the end. What will just, just the? Uh, what do you think the legacy of this Horn team will be? And just the the season they had is as bizarre a season as that program has ever had. I'd say. I mean, but at the end of the day, to go three rounds deep, given what they had to battle through early in the season, just what is? I mean, what do you think will be the legacy of this Horn team? Yeah, you know, I, I think they I think they lived up to their potential. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, no one foresaw the 0-7 start. They knew it was going to be difficult against yeah. that schedule. Um, but I, I think when you looked at this team beforehand, uh, you th- you looked at it as, hey, this this is a team that could contend for the district title. This is a team that should be in the playoffs. And this is a team that has the talent to go three rounds mm-hmm. deep. And, and so, you know, despite the record, and, and that's what a lot of people have pointed to, uh, you know, all, all during the course of the year, I, I think this is a team that, that met its expectation uh, that was worthy of being three rounds deep. It wasn't some Cinderella run where they had yeah. you know, to make some, you know, miraculous Hail Mary to to escape, or you know, the, their opponent has to turn the ball over five times to give them a chance. This is a team that deserved to be in the third round. They proved it. They played right with Spring Westfield. Didn't go their way on on, on Friday, but uh, you know, it's a tremendous season for Horn. You're telling me the the finish against Temple wasn't the the, the work of storybooks, or oh, it was. Yeah. It was a, dr- a dramatic yeah. ending. I mean, yeah. they scored with 11 seconds yeah. left, but it was to win 45 to 38. I mean, yeah. they, but it wasn't as if they yeah. you know had to, they didn't. Need three onside kicks, and, you know, you know, miracle here, miracle there. I mean, they they flat out beat Temple, just you know, yeah. in dramatic fashion, but they flat out beat them. 
Let's see. Let's um, let's close out the first half of this podcast with a look at uh, in my game. I was out in uh, in Waco, the first of I guess the first of two weekends, two weekends that I will be spending in Waco. Yeah, to see um to see Alan. Ironically enough, uh, both times. Um, Alan on Saturday they uh, they continue to march on. They were able to avenge their uh, their last loss all the way back in December of 2016. Almost two years to the day, nine days short of the of the two year anniversary of their uh, their state semifinal loss to uh, to the Woodlands. Alan is able to exact a, a measure of revenge. You know, you'll never be able to ultimately erase the the sting of that of that you know, that semifinal loss two years ago. But Allen does get a measure of redemption with a 31 to 24 victory in a game that I think, at the very least, at the outset was maybe a bit closer than you know at least prognosticators might have envisioned coming in. Um, one thing about the Woodlands that um, that really impressed me was they um, I think in order to just to be able to hang with Allen and to you know potentially even beat Allen, you have to be able to match them up front. Because Allen has so much size, so much depth, so much talent in the trenches, and I th- it felt like at least from the you know from the vantage point up in the press box that the Woodlands did as good good a, a good a job of that of any team that I've seen this season, and that was kind of the the book on them coming in. You know, they I mean the Woodlands has perennially been very strong up front, and that was the first thing that uh, you know that Coach Gamble noted when just kind of breaking down what the Woodlands brought to the table earlier in the week was just how strong they were going to be at the line of scrimmage, and you know Allen um, just little sequences like. Um, you know, if Allen got near the goal line, um, first off, like, I, obviously everybody knows that Allen has size up front, but um, when you see Allen bust out, like, its jumbo package near the goal <laughs> line, it is just, it is a sight to see. <laughs> it is, I mean, you credit to, I mean, it looks like a, it looks like a play that they should be able to get however many yards they need with just as much size as they have, all just jumbled um, at the uh, at the line of scrimmage like that. Um, but there was, I mean, there were moments where, like, Allen had, you know, they got the ball down to the six-yard line, and they scored eventually, but it took them four plays to do so. Like the Willens offered up a bit more resistance, you know, in situations that I've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of other opponents just kind of crater against Allen, and ultimately this one just kind of boiled down to Allen um, just making good on uh, on some opportunities that um, were set up on, you know, defense and special teams early in the game. Um, I believe it was Keith Johnson. He blocked a punt on uh, the, the Woodlands opening drive that set up Allen just outside the red zone. They, you know, turned that into a field goal, and then um, at the end of the third quarter, KJ Willie has an interception that. He takes down to the six, and Allen's able to convert that into a touchdown. And just those little, I mean, just those miscues in those short fields that when you give Allen those kind of opportunities, it's just, it's death. You know, the margin for error is so slim against a team that uh, that uh, that strong. And um, yeah, I mean, this was a game that Allen definitely had to, uh, the second straight week, they've had to grind one out late. You know, they were, uh, I mean, it's, I mean that's, uh, that's that's good for Allen. It's good for Allen to have to go through the, you know, the emotional rigors of being involved in close fourth quarter games. You know what's going to happen at some juncture in the playoffs, and you know, between this and the Rockwall game, putting uh, you know teams that put Allen in situations that they, you know, haven't been in, you Know, at all during the regular season, so um, yeah, and they were able to you know. Whereas last week it was the uh, you know it was the offense that you know was able to you know ice the the win against Rockwall uh, on Saturday. You know the defense was able to force a late turnover on downs to preserve that seven point victory. Albeit you know the Woodlands having a bit of a, a bit of a brain fart on a on a, a wide open drop on fourth down well, that would have. And, and you know everybody kind of had already. Written Allen at least the state semifinals. Yeah. Uh, you know just how dominant they've been over the course of the regular season. Is this a sign of maybe Allen not as good 
as people mm. think, or is this just a matter of teams being able to rise to the occasion yeah. and give a big good challenge? I think every ma- like every matchup, you kind of treat it, you know, as its own special entity. Like not every offense has the ability to do what Rockwall can yeah. do. Not every offense has a player as transcendent as Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then, um, I, uh, I like I said, that was my first time seeing the Woodlands, so I have no real, you know, uh, preconception for what they had been doing prior to that game. If that was a pretty traditional performance from them from a quality of play standpoint, but I do know that I mean again what the, at least what they have in the trenches like that's enough most times to give you at least a fighting chance if you can at the very least play Allen to a draw mm-hmm. in the offensive and defensive lines um, so and yeah I mean just I mean I was just impressed also with just the Woodlands and their uh, I mean just the defense and the job did, they did tackling you know I mean Allen didn't ha- didn't have you know too many big plays if there were any you know I mean Selden Manning had a big 64 yard touchdown run on there on Allen's first play of the third quarter and then Theo Weiss had um you know had a I mean he had a big day receiving it six catches for 113 yards, and his last three receptions all went for uh, at least 20 yards, including a 42-yarder that definitely got some traction on social media that um, that helped set up a touchdown by Allen to end the half. It was a game I that... I enjoyed his, uh, mm-hmm. his tweet responding to your video of that, mm-hmm. right? I believe he said, right after the overrated chant. Oh, it's the, the, cry, <laughs> the, the women's crowd getting... Uh, <laughs> Throwing some shade Theo's way. Uh, that's, a, that's a dangerous game to play. Hey, I don't know chance overrated if you can't keep a guy under 100 receiving yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a dangerous game to play, Woodlands. Um, but yeah, like, at the same time, said it was a game that like Allen was able to get a two-score lead, you know, early in the third quarter, and they just kind of, you know, the Woodlands able to stay at least within arm's length. They never really felt like a game that Allen was ever in danger of, of losing, just because of. I mean, the Woodlands had a couple chunk plays, you know, that helped comprise the the bulk of their yardage. But just I don't know, Allen's defense is just. I don't know, just a just a reassurance of Allen's defense just being too strong in the end. But yeah, like I say, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how the Woodlands compares to what Midway has or what Duncanville has. It's just you, there's little bits and pieces with these matchups that. Um, have to no, worry no, about Duncanville. No, no, notice how he said Duncanville, not Southlake. Yeah, yeah, he's not. Gonna, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Although <laughs> <laughs> Duncanville's given up 54 points yeah. all season long. Yeah, it's um. No, yeah. So I guess I, I don't know. On the one hand, like I, I guess because I just don't overreact when I see a team like Allen involved in close games. Like it's, it's going to happen eventually. Nobody just waltzes. Even when they had Kyler Murray, they didn't just waltz their way to a state title any of those three years. Yeah, but it's just I, I guess that's just what Allen's become, and we mm-hmm. hold him to certain standard. No, yeah. we, we, we you just, down, you, you you just expect down, them to go out and beat everybody by forty. Well, you, you broke down a couple weeks ago how you know their average margin of victory in the second round yeah. was fourteen, what fourteen points? Yeah, fourteen points, and yeah. that was the closest of any round. So it, it, it's and it's not fair to them, mm-hmm. but, you know, just their dominance over the last decade, you just expect them to go out there and win by three, four touchdowns. And so when they do get challenged, you know, it's just natural reaction is to say, hey, maybe this team isn't as strong as maybe some of those Allen teams in the past. I've said for, uh, you know, we we like to laud, you know, Texas high school football as being the best in the country because of its depth. So I don't think any of us should be surprised when that depth reveals itself. And like, no. oh yeah, there's other good teams that are capable of, you know, the Woodlands has enough tradition that, you know, I know there was it was kind of a, an awkward year for them because of the transition at head coach and they had an 0-2 start, but they rounded into formal eight. So, I mean, who knows? It might be a harbinger of things to come. Maybe Waco Midway gives them a heck of a game. Midway, which, uh, I mean, Midway 
oh, I mean, they were raced to 24 near nothing deficit at the half and won 28 to 27. So certainly a a measure of resilience that should uh, definitely have Allen on its uh, on its toes heading into into Friday's game. But yeah, I guess you know I I was maybe initially surprised that it was a seven point game, but just considering what the Williams was able to do and their stylistic makeup, I guess it wasn't that surprising in hindsight. Yeah. And so it just seemed like a good matchup for them. Um, yeah, and that's a that is a look at the very least of the uh, on the six A portion of our of our third round docket. We've got some five A action on the way, but first got to shine that student athlete spotlight for this. Speaking of Allen, we and we headed out to Allen um, on Monday to talk with their uh, their standout offensive lineman EJ and Doma Ogar um, about uh, yeah about Allen's another another uh, lengthy playoff run for the Eagles and their pursuit of another state championship. And we will see what EJ had to say after a word from the sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, or exterior, ATD painting has you covered. They have four locations in the Metroplex, including Plano and Louisville. You can call 972-694-8888 for more information, or you can visit their website at atdpainting.com. That is ATD painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. We are out here at Allen High School talking with uh, EJ and Doma Ogar, a standout offensive lineman for the reigning uh, Class 6A Division I state champion, Allen Eagles. Uh, Allen, once again, uh, immersed in a, another long playoff run. So, EJ, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy week to chat with us today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. So, hey, congratulations on the win on Saturday. A hard-fought win over the Woodlands for Allen. You guys are now bound for the uh, state quarterfinals for the seventh consecutive year. What has just the, the mood been like around the program as of late as you guys are immersed in yet another deep playoff run um i mean we're just hungry i mean it's um it was kind of a key point for us last week you know we made it a mission to to get after the woodlands and you know we're not stopping there you know um we're trying to get to that state and um you know we're just we're not we're not we're just not stopping i mean right now i mean we're not we're not getting too comfortable we're just like we, we still got two we still got three more games ahead of us so that's kind of how it's been. Now, as a, as a competitor, these last uh, these last couple weeks of uh, you definitely had to grind out every last bit of these two victories over Rockwall, and then on Saturday against the Woodlands. Um, after you know, just kind of taking care of these games with ease during the regular season, just what has it been like? You know, kind of the mental rigors of going through these games that are coming right down to the wire as of late. I mean, like just we just have to. Um, I think kind of we just have to come together more. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how it goes. I mean, we just um, during adversity. Because we've been through, we've been through a lot of it. Um, I think just since it's really like we've been through a lot of close games. We haven't been through any close ones in the, in the regular season. I mean, but but now but now in the um, but now in the um, since we're in the playoffs, you know, we gotta we got our folks. They're, they're better better teams, better um, better. I mean, just better players, better athletes, and you know, um, since Rockwall's close, all those Woodlands were close. I think just just the fact that. Um, I mean, just the fact that that we know we're gonna we we know we're getting into. So yeah. Now the Woodlands, the Woodlands, like I said, they made you guys work for every last bit of that victory on Saturday. Just um, what were your thoughts on their defensive line and just kind of what they showed y'all on Saturday? Their defensive line was was very physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, they uh they were they were, they were well sized. Um, I think that um, I think they they made they made us grind a little bit harder than uh, than usual. I mean, they were just um, they were just a good team overall. Like on all cylinders, they uh. Their their offense their offense was really up tempo. Um, their defense their defense was just they were just hustling to the ball like they weren't stopping. You know uh, they gave us some challenges, um, but well, we managed to take take those over. So yeah. 
How much of a, of a motivating factor was it to avenge the loss two years ago? Because you were one of the few players that was on that team back in 2016. Just talk a bit about how much of a motivator that was. Well, I think most people before the game didn't understand how big this game was for the seniors. They were just like, you know, oh, so Woodlands playoff, we got to win. But to me, that was that was huge because two years ago, that didn't, it didn't feel good to go through that. And people, people just like... People just, you know, they kind of blowing past it. But I, I didn't want to. I wanted to make it a mission. I told, I told my offensive lineman. I said, I said, let's make it a mission to, to, to beat the, to beat the Woodlands. Plain and simple. And I was just like, you know, and I guess we all stuck by it. Everybody stuck by it. Not just the offensive line, but everybody stuck by it. Now you've, uh, now you've been on varsity for quite some time as part of a, an offensive line that traditionally has been. I mean, there's a lot of storied history that comes with Allen's offensive line. A lot of, you know, standout college players, even pros that have passed through this program in that mm-hmm. offensive line. Just what does it mean to you to be uh, just to be a part of that lineage and that tradition that comes with playing on the offensive line here at Allen? It's great. Uh, I mean, just, just knowing that all these potential NFL players, NFL players, they've all been through this, you know, it's just... It's just great that, that I get to be a part of it. With, um, I get to I get to lead the team, you know, and it's just it's just a blessing. So so yeah. Have you um, now? Have you always played guard during your time as a lineman, or? Um, no, I played I played tackle last year. I okay. played right tackle last year, but then they decided since I like to uh, maul people, I'm a, uh, <laughs> I'm a, uh, put, put me on the interior. So I kind of stuck by that. So yeah. What was it like, kind of making that transition from tackle to guard? Just how different are the two positions? Um, I mean, from the tackle standpoint, I had to be more patient. Um, but at guard, you know, I just had to. Um, I, li- I like playing guard. I like being on interior because just like, I mean, I just, I'm just a road grader. So I just like to. Um, I just like to maul people. So I mean, it's just, it's just, that's just kind of my thing. Being on the interior side of the offensive of line. Mm-hmm. Um, but right tackle was good for me because it also taught me some good technique as well. Okay. Like you know, um, patience wise, you know, and that that kind of factors into being a guard as well. So. Yeah. And uh, between you and uh, Tay Brooks, I mean, two of the you know two of the better you know offensive guards in the entire in the entire state. I'm um, just talking a bit about the bond that you know the two of you have, and just the offensive line in general, because I've heard it's often a brotherhood. Oh yeah, that, uh, it's, it's a real it's a real brotherhood. I mean, we we see each other every day. I mean, we we stick by each other. You know, we always, we got each other's back, and it's 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 a beautiful thing to see. Like at first, it was kind of like you know kind of iffy, but then we started developing it kind of quickly. So I was like. So I was like, all right, I think there's something special coming up on this offensive line. And then, you know, just those, those are like my brothers. So, so yeah. And uh, then once your, uh, you know, once your time here at Allen's done, you know, you're going to head just a few hours north mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to begin your college career at, at Oklahoma. I'm just kind of thinking back to when you were making that decision. What contributed to your decision to commit to Oklahoma? Um, relationships. I mean, um, right now, I mean, just the Allen greats that went through, that they're going through right now. Um, I mean, just like my brother currently enrolls there, you know, and um, my grandpa got his PhD up there. You know, they, they keep on saying it's a great place, and and I mean, I take their word for it. I've been there at least twenty times, and it's been to the point where I know, where I know it was like I know I know where to go on campus. So it's kind of like, um, so I, I knew it was a special choice, and also it when we were at this when I was at the state fair for um, OU Texas game. When when they lost, when they lost by three points, it, that kind of hurt me. So that's how I knew I made the right decision. Because I, I, even though I wasn't playing, I was I was still like I was just like it kind of hurt because I was like wow, like my team just lost. So yeah.
Did you guys be pretty happy with how the weekend went for oh, those boys yeah, then, huh? I did, yeah. I was, I, was, I, was pretty, I was pretty happy, so, so yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, before you get up to Norman, you got some business to finish here as you guys are in pursuit of another uh, another state championship. You know, next up, Saturday, right back out in Waco against yeah. uh, against Midway. Um, just what do you guys know about what uh, Midway has in store and just kind of some preliminary thoughts on that matchup? I know they're going to play hard. I know I know they're, uh, they're, they're a well-coached team, very well-coached team. And, you know, we're just um, – we're definitely not going to overlook this game, um, just like any other playoff game. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, we've been through this before, and I'm not going to. And I mean, our mission is plain and simple. We're going to get to the get to the next round. But I mean, we're just we're trying to get to the next round. But I mean, just like otherwise, I mean, they're a good team, really good team. It's going to be a challenge, but I think I think we got it. Awesome. That's all I got for you, EJ. Uh, hey, should be a fun one on Saturday. That's uh, Saturday, 2 o'clock out of McLean Stadium in Waco, the state quarterfinals between Allen and Waco Midway. Uh, EJ, thank you for taking the time to chat with us, and good luck to you all this week. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks again to uh, EJ and Doma Ogar out of Allen for taking the time to chat for our student-athlete spotlight. And um, now we have a uh, sh- shift gears to some awesome 5A talk. We have swapped in Brian Murphy in place of Devin Hassan. So uh, let's talk some 5A. Let's talk some 4A. Let's start with 4A because of the games that you had on your docket last week, certainly the one that I think uh, got the uh, got the blood pumping a little bit more than usual leading up to it was, uh, was Salina and Argyle. Oh, look how bummed he still is. You can see it on his face. <laughs> <laughs> still bumming. <laughs> I mean, let's just talk about, first off, just the build-up to this game because Salina took a very unorthodox approach to this one. I mean, hey, you know, you did your feature on, uh, on Salina time and all that and Solana raises its game in the playoffs and that's one thing but to uh, you know to take uh, the, the number one team in the state a team that had already handed them a uh, was it a 40 point loss or something to that tune early three weeks before yeah. yeah I mean to tell them that your guys aren't ready for the way we play football during the playoffs here in Salina something to that tune I mean definitely had some folks over in the Denton County side of things maybe uh, kind of brushing that off and like oh yeah okay so okay Salina let's just see what you got but so I I tweeted out the link to my story yeah. earlier this week. You know, I did a story on it last year, Salina mm-hmm. time, and you know they they just ramp up their play in the playoffs. So I, I met with them again. They beat Stephenville, so why not? You know, Salina is up, upsetting some folks after you know a down year. You mm-hmm. know, uh, regular season. Uh, you know, they just they entered the playoffs just getting pummeled by Argyle. That game it looked like Argyle kind of took their foot off the gas. Could have beat them by even more. Yeah. Um, it was a sixty point game at, at one point. Uh, and then so, you know, I meet with Coach Elliott and, and some of those guys and Noah Ross, some of the key players uh, for Salina. And, you know, I'm like, so what What happens in the playoffs? Why, why do you all just take it to another level? What, what is it out here in the water in Salina? And, and then I, I found out that Salina and Argyle, that prior to last Friday, they never played each other in the playoffs, which is interesting. You know, they're fierce rivals you know, over the last <coughs> 20 years or so, 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. played each other almost every regular season whether it's district game or not. And then, you know, Coach Elliott, he, he, he had some some interesting words uh, to uh, to tell me about this. He knew we were on the record and all yeah. that fun stuff. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if he was... Were you kind of thinking to yourself, like, am I supposed to be... Are you supposed to be saying this to yeah, me? You know, while he was saying it, it didn't feel, you know, abnormal or, or outlandish or anything. I was like, okay, you know, he's... He's he knows how his team plays in the playoffs, and, and for context, uh, I don't have the exact quote. I can pull it up, uh, but something along the lines of Argyle doesn't understand how Salina plays in the playoffs, and I, I tweeted that quote 
along with yeah it was Argyle doesn't understand how we play in the playoffs yeah and so that was just a small tidbit of a longer quote talking about and I'm paraphrasing here how Argyle hasn't improved since they played each other three weeks ago three and a half weeks ago um, they're doing the same old stuff Salina on the other hand they're getting better they've tweaked some things they've made some changes they've had two big playoff wins and, and so you know I, I put more of that in the story and you know some people around Denton County they, they got a hold of it some people around Argyle got a hold of it I'm the I'm good buddies with uh, a couple of the guys on the Argyle radio crew okay. and so I talked to them uh, before and during and after the game you know at CH Collins and they uh, they said once they saw that they texted uh, Coach Rogers instantly, <laughs> and Coach Rogers at Argyle couldn't believe it. And he was like, "Okay." I even had some people from East Texas tweeting me yeah. back to the the tweet and the, the quote and link that I tweeted out from Gilmer. If you remember when Salina played Gilmer in 2014 in the state semifinals, and Gilmer destroyed Salina, but that was one of the best Gilmer teams of all time. So, uh, Someone tweeted out saying, hey, Coach Elliott's done something like this before. And I look, I read the story, and it wasn't anything bad. He said something about their their uh, wide receivers at Gilmer, how they something they weren't that good or something like that, I'm paraphrasing, um, or as good as people make them out to be. And then Gilmer destroys them. <laughs> and I don't know if it was a tactic to, to pump up his players knowing that they were the heavy underdogs in that game. But, you know, it, it, it almost worked. And yeah. when, <laughs> I, when I saw Coach Elliott after the game, the First thing he said to me, you know, he's hugging everyone. It's an emotional scene for Salina. You know, they were winning literally almost the entire game up until the last, um, the first few minutes of the game, they were down 3 0. The last 25 seconds of the game, they were down by four. That's it. They were, they took it to, to Argyle. I, I, Salina was the better team that night. Argyle was the better team overall. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not going to deny that. But Salina was the better team that night, but just the better team ended up winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, everyone's, you know, hugging Coach Elliott and everything after the game. And I finally get my chance. I go up to him. First thing he tells me is, Man, you almost got me in trouble this week. <laughs> and I said, it almost worked. And he laughed and he agreed with me, you know. He he you know, he, he poked the bear and, and you know his guys came out firing, man. This this game I, I had this weird feeling. And it, it was kinda reminiscent of the Dallas Cowboys Saints game last week. You know, going in, you know, the Cowboys have no business beating the Saints and they did. And they, you know, they kinda they they took out their style of play and Salina kinda did the same. They you know, they got the win to start the game. It was a really weird, windy, you know, stormy day. There's a hour and a half lightning delay at halftime, which made it even weirder. I don't know if that hurt Salina. I put that in my story. Salina had a 14-3 lead at halftime. Mm-hmm. And then just as the two teams were about to come back out for the second half, freaking lightning strikes. And then yeah. 20 minutes later, it just a torrential downpour for about another 30 minutes. And yeah. then things didn't get started and so Argyle outscored Salina 23-8 to in the second half I don't know if that had the weather delay had anything to do with it or just halftime adjustments in general it was a weird night and I, and I felt going in I was like man I, I, I had a punch this is going to be a weird game Salina's going to you know play over their heads and, and give Argyle a run for their money and they did yeah. they did and they should have beaten Argyle <laughs> man they they <laughs> You know, it, it got to the point. I, I'm in the press box, and 
there's this kid from the Argyle, I guess their newspaper or something for their their school, mm-hmm. their school newspaper, and he's just he's standing up and he's sweating bullets. I, you know, he's he's so nervous. And I'm like, hey, uh, I take it you're a student at Argyle. And he's like, yeah, it, it was probably kind of funny. I was, you know, I don't I don't blame the guy because I was actually a little nervous, you know, deep down too. I was like, man, I have nothing invested in this game emotionally or anything like that. And I was just like, man, this went down to the wire, but it came down to a, a 28 yard touchdown catch. Uh, to win the game with 25 seconds left for, for Argyle, it was, it was nuts. It reminded me, you, you mentioned the Cowboys-Saints uh, analogy. It, it reminded me when I was, uh, the 2011 NBA Finals between the Mavs and the Heat, when hmm. after, uh, what was it, like after Game 2 or Game 3, when Jason Terry was calling out LeBron, saying like, oh, okay, <laughs> well, let's see if he can, you know, keep me, see if he can guard me. And, yeah. you know, him, you know, poking the bear, you know, calling out the best player in the world and, at the time. And then in Game 5, Jason Terry went and, off. And, yeah, and, and Jason Terry just kept on getting the better of him, and it just shocked everybody. And mm-hmm. I don't know. That's uh, that kind of that kind of had some flashbacks to, to that moment when, um, yeah. I mean, and Demarcus but, Lawrence with the Cowboys did the same thing. He said something along the lines: "If you just hit him in the mouth, make him uncomfortable, mm-hmm. blah 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 blah, you're poking the bear, and it it's working." You know, granted, Salina didn't win the game, but it was a much better result than three weeks ago when they got absolutely destroyed. They weren't even in that game at all. But, you know, Salina made some changes. They moved Noah Ross, their star wide receiver. He was a quarterback last year. Tells you what kind of an athlete he is. They moved him to defensive back also. So not only did he have a big game offensively, he scored a touchdown, he had a two-point conversion, but he was also one of the key players in the secondary. Coach Elliott told me, you know, all those big plays Argyle was getting against us, you know, a few weeks ago, that's not going to happen. We've corrected that. We've got athletes. Uh, in the secondary to combat that. And, you know, I, I just wasn't that impressed with Argyle. I mean, they, they have a stud running back in Tito Bryce. He's a bruiser. I think he had like 30, 32 carries or something like that. You know, he, he had a, a really impressive touchdown run. But, man, Salina, they were stuffing him. Yeah. They were stuffing him. at the, You know, they forced plenty of punts. I think they, Argyle punted three times in the first half. It was, it, was, it was an odd game. It was a weird game. It was only fitting that there was a, a weather delay, right? So you're taking La Vega? I actually am. Yeah. I am picking La Vega. I think, and you know, I, the La Vega scouts were all around me. You know, in the press box, I was talking to them a little bit, and I just, I don't know. They Argyle barely beat La Vega the first time, just based off of what of obviously I wasn't at that game, but I was talking to the La Vega scouts, and I did some research and stuff, and you know, I just uh, Argyle had to come back and win that game. There was a lightning delay in that game. They didn't. They looked kind of lackluster against Lina. I think LaVega's going to beat him, but that's a different conversation. Let's talk some Frisco ISD to round this out. And, um, where do you want to start, Brian? Read your Lone Star. I was disappointed with Lone Star. You know, after two really impressive playoff wins over Legacy and Lufkin, you know, you're, you're kind of on the hype train. Like, okay, Lone Star, they've got some things figured out, you know, on the offensive side of the ball and, and other aspects. You know, we knew the defense was good. And then they just laid an egg, man. They, they, they scored first. On John Tyler, and I was like, okay, seven nothing. It came uh, two possessions after another blocked field goal by Trey Taylor. He's got like twenty seven of those this year. Uh, it seems like he blocks a field goal every game. Uh, really special player. He will be missed at Lone Star. He broke out the the team huddle afterwards. It was an emotional scene for Lone Star. But after that, they just they just had no answer for John Tyler. I'm not sure if John Tyler is the better team. If they play you know ten times, I think Lone Star wins you know seven of them. But they were just the better team that day and they really took it to him and outscored him 34 to 6 after Lone Star took took the early lead. You know, it, was, it was really disappointing. I thought Lone Star was going to really come out and 
What was, John, what was John Tyler able to do so effectively against them that it feels like, I mean, because that's, that's far and away a season high in points allowed by, by Lone Star. Yeah, yeah, and that's another thing. Up until that point, the most points mm-hmm. Lone Star had given up in a game was to the Colony, yeah. and they lost that game 21-14. to mm-hmm. And then John Tyler somehow cracks his code of, all right, we're putting up 30, 30-plus 30 on Lone Star. They were able to run the ball. They had a few few different guys. They, they kept alternating running the mm-hmm. football. Uh, they had three different guys score a rushing touchdown. Um, they had this big receiver, six foot two receiver. I, I blank you on his name. I can pull it up here in a sec. But he he was a monster number thirteen. He was he was causing fits. And their quarterback, you know, he was small. John Tyler's quarterback was small, little five nine guy. But you know, one of those shifty guys. You got to worry about him scrambling for fifteen yards on, on third down, which he did uh, a couple times. And they just they just made plays when they had to. Meanwhile, a, a much different result for uh, for Reedy, which mm-hmm. continues its its dream playoff run. And uh, hey, Brian, credit where credits due, man. You called it that uh, that yeah, Reedy was going to uh, lay lay waste to a Burleson Centennial during our game of the week <laughs> podcast. And uh, when you live and die by the hot take, sometimes <laughs> we're gonna maybe look at you a little side eye when you <laughs> when you start when you keep making bold proclamation after bold proclamation. But sure enough, but buddy, they're not that one, crazy. One hit for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not wrong that much of the time. <laughs> Uh, but I did say this is when we flash back to last yeah. week when I'm saying, hey, Reedy's going to win this game by 30. Yeah. Albeit they didn't win by 30, they won by 27. Yeah, it's Close enough. They essentially did. They, yeah. they beat them pretty good. They forced a lot of turnovers in, the, in that game. And, uh, man, we finally get the, uh, the matchup we've been waiting for since, you know, the early of the regular season, we've been when we knew that is, Reedy was had a yes. chance to be something special. Yeah, and yeah. then especially after they beat Lovejoy the way they beat Lovejoy, then it was like, okay. Fourth round is when Reedy and Alito could could uh, be paired against each other, and, it, and it's finally here. I don't know if we want to talk too much about that game now, or we'll okay. So a little, te- little teaser for you guys, but yeah, that's it's going to be a blast. Yeah, and that'll uh, you get to check out Pennington Field too. Yeah, in Bedford, I never really go. Ever covered a game there? No, I never really go out to that neck of the woods. Other be like hot dogs. Oh, I'm used to that. <laughs> they got plenty of in the fresh box yeah. for you. Is that all it is? Just hot dogs? And popcorn, I think. Yeah. You know, I, I base my... Uh, he, covered, he, he covers out of Frisco ISD. Yeah, so and, and granted, yeah. the Star is an amazing place to cover a game, watch a game. I'm assuming play in a game. Like, you oh, don't yeah. have to worry about the weather. It's so nice. You're playing where the Cowboys literally practice. But there's just no food in the press yeah. box. Yeah. And I don't know who's to blame, yeah. but there in Toyota Stadium, you have so, two nice venues, yeah. and there's just not even a drink. Not even drinks in, in the press box. And that that's... That's my main thing with, with press boxes. I don't care if it it's like tiny. The playoffs, if there's food, I'm, I'm all for it. It seems like in a lot of these playoff games when you get out to like stadiums that aren't high school stadiums and stuff, the food, the, the food kind of vanishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in I the regular season. I haven't season, had food yeah. in my last couple games either. It's depressing. Yeah, but I, w- I went to John Kincaid Stadium, though, for Lone Star. I'd, out there in South Dallas, never been out there before. Terrific barbecue spread. And I'm, all, I'm here <laughs> yeah. for all of that. I, I'll go back. Uh, any chance I get. So McLean Stadium out of Baylor had a giant like ice box that had like ice cream sandwiches and popsicles uh, and stuff in there. So uh, a change of pace for for my press box diet. And yeah, that'll uh, that will do it for this edition of the uh, of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday to uh, to preview um, Allen and uh, Waco Midway, Reedy and uh, Alito, and a little bit more. Talk some basketball as well. And um, yeah, that'll do it, folks. Hey. Justin, Brian, as well as Devin Hassan. Appreciate everybody for tagging along. Folks, you enjoy your week, and we will talk to you all later. 
Thanks for checking out this edition of the Start Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. They deliver more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. Their McKinney office is currently hiring Class A CDL drivers, order selectors, and many other entry and part-time positions. For more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com slash careers, or you can call 214-491-3130. That is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.